Hello, and welcome to another episode of Give Us This Day, Our Daily Lou. Well, I'll read a piece out of the Bhagavad Gita and talk about it. Hope you're all having a lovely Tuesday. Beautiful outside. I'm sure no matter where you are. All right, so this is uh, the beginning of Chapter 4, Wisdom in Action. And what I'll do is just read uh, all of the... The person who translated the book, I'll read all their, basically their explanation of what chapter four is. That's how we'll do this today's app. <clears throat> and then tomorrow we'll get into the shlokas. Because <clears throat> we want to have an understanding, you know, some type of background or something like that, you know what I mean? All right, so here we go. Krishna is eager to grant Arjuna knowledge of the highest spiritual truths or even a rare mystical vision. But Arjuna has been asking for Krishna to simply get him out of his present difficulties. Of course, these difficulties are not minor. He is caught in a family tragedy that has developed into a vicious conflict. If he cannot extricate himself, he knows that he will have to take part in a catastrophic battle that no one wants. So when Krishna begins to tell Arjuna about the secret teachings, He will be privileged to hear because he is Krishna's favorite devotee and friend. It hardly registers in Arjuna's consciousness. His reply is confused. How could you have taught any secret wisdom to sages of the old, he asks. At this point, Krishna reminds Arjuna again of the process of rebirth. They have both been reborn many times. But naturally, Arjuna does not remember his past lives because he has no access to this kind of knowledge. Krishna remembers his former births, but he is no ordinary being. He reveals that he has chosen to take on human birth many times for the welfare of the world. Whenever Dharma, the law of life's unity, declines, He wraps himself in his maya and takes on a finite form. Thus, he returns again age after age. Vishnu, the preserving or sustaining person of the Hindu trinity, is not mentioned here. But Krishna is usually looked upon as an incarnation of this aspect of God. As the Lord Krishna explains, he dwells in every being but he is manifested with special power in his incarnations or avatars. Avatara literally means descent. Vishnu is believed to descend and incarnate himself on earth from age to age to reestablish divine law or dharma. Without such intervention, the entire created universe would go into decline. The natural course of creation is to go through cycles of regeneration and decay. But Vishnu, Krishna, has compassion for all the suffering of the world and comes himself to protect the good and destroy evil. Thus, Vishnu has a special relationship to all beings. He personifies the aspect of God who so loves the world that he comes into it to reestablish the purity and happiness of the golden age. Krishna here reveals a little of his hidden divine nature. 
He tells Arjuna that mystical union with him is possible through devotion, by which one can enter the state of divine love in which one sees God in every creature. Krishna also takes on the role of creator. It is he who has patterned the world along the lines of guna and karma. This mystic aspect of Krishna's being dominates the Gita. In the Mahabharata, Krishna is princely ally who Krishna is a princely ally who is wise and daring in his support of his friend Arjuna. The Mahabharata is the story, the whole story that the Gita just takes place in. The Gita is a battle within the Mahabharata. <laughs> but the author of the Gita is not concerned with this Krishna. He turns his attention to the mystery of Krishna's divine nature as an aspect of Vishnu. In this sense, Krishna is in earth is the inner self in all beings. His name comes from the Sanskrit root Krish, to draw to oneself, to attract. He is the attractive one, the lord of loving attraction. By another etymology, which is like the history of words, the word Krishna means the dark one. The author of the Gita sees revealed in him the ultimate Godhead, the supreme being. But this reality is often veiled, and then Krishna is seen as an ordinary human being, or rather, as an exceptionally gifted man, but not as a god. Many of Krishna's words make most sense when he realizes that when he speaks of himself, he is often not describing a transcendental reality, so much as trying to tell Arjuna about the self in every human being. When he says, for example, actions do not cling to me because I am not attached to their results, he means, <clears throat> Arjuna, actions do not cling to your real self. The self in us is not touched by action. Whatever we do, it remains unsullied. Those who understand this about themselves and practice it live in freedom. The latter part of this chapter turns from lofty mystical topics back to Arjuna's immediate problem. Krishna begins to talk about action and work and things that should be done and should not be done. It is essential, he reminds Arjuna, to act wisely with detachment. The wise never act with selfish attachment to the fruit of their labor. They give their best in fortune and misfortune alike. Such people act in freedom. The next section deals with the various kinds of yajna, worshiping or offering, that may be performed by spiritual aspirants of differing temperaments. Hindu rituals often involve making an offering to the gods by pouring an oblation into the sacred fire. Here the image is the same. Whatever is offered is symbolically thrown into a consuming fire that carries the offering to God. The offering may be as obvious as worldly goods or as subtle as, knowing or, or as knowledge or meditation. In any case, it requires a measure of self-sacrifice. Yajna is a basic action necessary to life. And those who do not perform some kind of selfless service find no home in this world or the next. The final verses of chapter 4 introduce a new principle. 
in the last chapter, Krishna mentioned the path of spiritual wisdom as an alternative to the path of action or karma yoga. Now he reveals that wisdom is the goal of selfless action. Knowing is the fruit of doing. The goal of all karma yoga or yajna is liberation and spiritual wisdom. The fire of spiritual awareness burns to ashes even a great heap of karma. Thus, true knowledge is the greatest purifier of the soul. Krishna ends by ex exhorting Arjuna to cut through the doubts that still stifle him. This is the first, but not the last, mention that Krishna makes of Arjuna's doubting heart. There has been no indication so far that Arjuna has taken in and accepted Krishna's words. But even though Arjuna continues to drag his feet, Krishna does not abandon him. <sighs> a lot. I got, oh my God. Give everyone a second there, right? You know, the whole time I do that, I'm making, I'm making fun of myself in the back of my head, which makes reading that that much more difficult. Oh, God. I'm just like, shut up, bitch. <laughs> yeah, you, you shut the fuck up. You're reading a book to people. <laughs> but I'm like, I'm about to say, I'm like, yeah, you, you want a background, right? Other than the shit that I just talk about what I think about what I just said. I mean, the number one thing is for whenever I say these Gita things is to take it in yourself and think about it, if you ever do. If you don't, it's just pure entertainment. And you do your thing, at least getting entertained by some Gita shit instead of some fucking Kardashian shit. So that's good. I mean, if you have fun with that, you have fun with that. I'm not hating, I'm just stating. But uh, what I'll do is a little, like the little things I have, you know, that I think of. For instance... We can kind of, like, one way we can kind of get a little better of an understanding. Let's put it this way. All right, because rebirth is such a wild thing for so many people to understand. Let's try to look at it in a, in a, psychologically, you can almost explain it as how Jung explains the collective unconscious of the, the contents of our mind, of our psyche, that we all have collectively because of the evolution of the human, not just body, but the psyche. And before words were still thought patterns that usually were expressed in imagery, not words, because we didn't have word yet. So that shit is within us deep. So when they say shit like seeing the path rebirths and shit, now psychologically, if you're not going to solely believe in such, because Buddha saw all his rebirths because at the point of which a, you could get to a certain state of consciousness where there is no time or space. Therefore, past, present, and future are literally the exact same. So that is actually the rebirth part where you can see all the rebirths. But if you want to look at it in just a psychological way and not have any spiritual belief, you could look at it in a Jungian sense like that, which you still have to have a belief there because you can't see that. You can only go by evidential fact. If And you could say it's fact if you're going to go by the belief still because you can still just oppose the idea, which is cool. I'm just stay, stating it. You know what I mean? That like all the cave drawings, all the all, everything was visionaryed out. There's so many reoccurrences throughout massively different cultures across the entire planet that show the same shit depictions. So it, unless aliens came down and did it all, like, then you could say it's that, the collective unconscious style. 
So that touches the rebirth part when we have like skeptics about that because Christian does explain to him like, bro, I've been doing this for a minute. Chill the fuck out. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then uh, like when he says he comes down when shit gets fucked up, like so apparently and I say apparently like these are things I read and then I go think of, you know, but every time shit gets fucked up in the sense of the oppositions of things, the yin and yang, when things stop flowing the way they should, because you're always going to have good, you know, relative, it's all relative, good and bad, opposing forces. But when things get so out of whack is when a savior, if you will, a messiah uh, comes down in a manifested form. They they consciously take a birth because they're done. They broke the cycle, but they're a godly figure. So they come into this now human form to take the birth, to become a savior, to try to put things back into a little bit of a more yin and yang style if we if you will you know what i mean so that's what that's going to be getting touching on uh like the devotional thing that's really not what we're talking about now is taking the wisdom and putting it into action so it's now acting in through the world and, and staying within such a wisdom is like mother Teresa, like homeboys home homegirls like mother Teresa doing their thing like yeah it's beautiful it's such a help all the shit she would do you know helping like the this better be recording. I could the leprosy and all that shit. And like all the people that were fucked up. Really, it's like it, she's devoted to God while doing it. So she's she's getting off. She's like, I see God everywhere I am anyway. Like I'm helping God. I'm serving God. Like that belief to that extent. It's like, yeah, you guys didn't think I'm fucking doing some gangster shit. You'll praise me, but I, I'm not here for the praise, mom. I'm doing it for God. And look, she's mother to her, you know. All those all those saintly figures, if you will, you know. What else we got? That we'll touch on. I just like this one. The self is in us, not the self in us is not touched by action. Whatever we do, it remains unsullied. Those who understand this about themselves and practice it live in freedom. You know what I mean? Because if you don't identify what's going on externally, even internally, right? If you don't identify with like the it could be anything external, the marriage, the, the relationship, good, bad, the, the job, good, bad, you know, in societal means, in your own means, uh, money, debt, not debt, uh, you know, whatever the fuck it is, your gym PRs, you're not gym PRs, I'm going to keep doing it, you know what I'm getting at, and then, wait, but I'm just, you know, I'm losing my thought over here because you fucking make me keep giving you examples, just kidding, I get the examples. So when you're attached to that, anytime you're attached to something, you have to hold on to it. Holding on has no doesn't have the freedom. To be able to free free is to be able to let go, right? To relinquish control, to be able to be free to things. Because when we think we have the control, we don't. That's what keeps us in certain places our entire life, you know? That's the, th the idea we think we're free, but we're not. We're attached to everything, you know? And to be truly free in my opinion, and apparently theirs, is, I guess I would just say their opinion, I jive with it, is that, because there's an opinion game way before me, unless you identify with the self as such, then everything that's been said is yourself being said already, in which all the wisdom in which we speak about, we know already, and we can't really talk about anyway, because words are lies, because they're after the fact, I don't know, so uh, that is to be truly free, to navigate the world without such an attachment to anything, even the desire to relinquish desire or be holy or whatever you, your flavor when anyone gets hold of shit, you know, whenever you do this stuff, like even my desire 
to walk the world in such a way is an attachment. So you, it's it's a paradox. It's a it's such a a wild. That's why I call it the dance because you realize that you got to touch into a little bit and you got to go back and you got to back and not to be attached. So like when I get into like a real wild meditative moment, I, it's, that's a moment. Chill. I don't want to sit there and go, oh. like that's where addictions start to come from when you want to keep going into the thing instead of and and being so fucking attached to it, you know. And then call it coming all forms, you know. So. So that's that. So we're going to get into uh, the shlokes tomorrow. Hope you have a lovely Tuesday. And thank you for tuning in to WLOU, the smooth sounds of the Bhagavad Gita.